0: Our reading today comes from Lamentations chapter 5, verses 19 through 22. But you, O Lord, reign forever. Your throne endures to all generations. Why do you forget us forever? Why do you forsake us for so many days? Restore us to yourself, O Lord, that we may be restored. Renew our days as of old, unless you have utterly rejected us and you remain exceedingly angry with us hey christ city just before we really jump into the message today uh, a couple of things one if you are interested in leading a house church online and you want to know what that would look like we are looking for more house church leaders as we turn the corner and head into 2021 Uh, With all the restrictions, all the limitations, we know that we need to be prepared for that. If you're interested in it, would you send me an email at brett at christcitychurch.ca? It'd be my joy to be able to just chat with you about what that looks like and how we can train you and equip you to do that, make you feel confident as you enter into leadership in that way. Uh, The second is if you're new with Christ City and you're not gathering with us in person, there is a chance that we don't know who you are and we would love to get to know you. It would really help us out if you'd send us an email at info at christcitychurch.ca Allow us to get to know you. One of our pastors or elders will be in contact with you. Just welcome you to the community, let you know how you might get oriented and what it looks like to be a part of the life of Christ City. In addition to that, I'm going to be leading a welcome call on Thursday, December 3rd, where I and some of our team are going to be giving, just again, an orientation to the life and community of Christ City. Talk about who we are, what we're all about, and we would love to have you register for that. You can do so by heading to the website, ChristCityChurch.ca, click on the event tab, and you'll see the welcome call on there. Again, if you need any help with anything, email us, info at ChristCityChurch.ca. Now, as we bring our series in the book of Lamentations to a close today, I can hear some of you just cheering in the background from your couches and laying in your beds. I can hear you excited the fact that we're ending our series in Lamentations, but I do wanna answer the all-important question that I've been asked a lot since we first began. Why is our church going through Lamentations? The simple and and the general answer is, well, why not? It's in the Bible. I'm I'm sure it's there for a reason. But the more particular answer, the the specific answer, is that we were planning a series of messages through the book of Exodus starting late in uh, September this year. We had that all planned out. And uh, in the middle of the summer, Doug Crystal, who oversees our biblical counseling, made a comment uh, in one of our staff meetings. And the comment was really used by the Holy Spirit to help us to shift course and to enter into this study of lamentations that we might learn how to lament, that we might have language for lament in our lives. I think 2020 has been a defining year for our generation. And what I mean by that is for every person who's alive right now, the reality is there is going to be, in decades to come, conversations about before COVID and after COVID. The pandemic is changing our whole world. And when you're faced with a generationally defining season of difficulty and pain and death, doesn't it make sense that you would want to see what the Bible has to say about learning to lament and how to process that kind of difficulty in life? I can actually think of no more important truth to engage in in this season than the truth that we've been encountering through our study of Lamentations, and and, and I know that it might not be the text that we want, but I really do believe that it's the text that we need. And preaching verse by verse through books of the Bible is a discipline to make sure that we are preaching the whole counsel of God, that we're looking at all that God has revealed to us from all of the pages of Scripture, and that includes difficult passages like the book of Lamentations. There's a scholar named Christopher Wright. He said, we must not read Lamentations without the rest of the Bible, but equally we should not read the rest of the Bible without Lamentations, as Christians have habitually tended to do. Now, to that end, we are going to look at Lamentations 5 today and bring this series to a close by focusing in on on three times that this community who are praying a prayer of lament together, how they use the name of God in this text. We're going to look at all three of them, and in doing so, we're going to find that we are ones who serve the God who remembers, the God who reigns, and the God who restores. We are going to find in lamentations chapter 5 that we serve the god who remembers the god who reigns and the god who restores look at lamentations 5 verse 1 with me remember O lord what has befallen us look and see our disgrace now the word remember can obviously be used to link to past events things that have happened in the past we remember them But it's also a way here of calling God's attention to what is going on presently. It's it's kind of like saying, God, pay attention to what's going on here. Reflect on this with us. Don't forget about us. Not just remembering what has happened in the past, but calling God to remember, to intervene in what's going on in the present. And the only way that a community like this can come before God with their laments and their complaints with any kind of confidence is if they know that God is the present God who is with them and hears their cry. And they know this. He's not only the God of their past when things were going well, and he's not only the God of the future when his promises are going to start to take shape. He really reveals himself to us as the God who is present with us. The cry of remember us is a cry to the God who is present in the midst of pain. This prayer, this request, it's it's much more than asking God not to forget about them. Remember us is a cry for God to intervene. It's a cry to God to act. And here are their circumstances that they're calling out to God from within. Chapter 5, verse 2. Our inheritance has been turned over to strangers, our homes to foreigners. We have become orphans, fatherless. Our mothers are like widows. We must pay for the water we drink. The wood we get must be bought. Our pursuers are at our necks. We are weary. We are given no rest. We have given, land, we've given the hand to Egypt and to Assyria to get bread enough. Our fathers sinned and are no more, and we bear their iniquities. What the poet of Lamentations is painting here as a picture for us of the communal lament that is going on in this text is a is a picture of economic humiliation they were once wealthy and free and now they are impoverished and in bondage they are now economically dependent on their oppressors and it keeps going verse eight slaves rule over us There is none to deliver us from their hand. We get our bread at the peril of our lives because of the sword in the wilderness. Our skin is hot as an oven with the burning heat of famine. Women are raped in Zion, young women in the towns of Judah. Princes are hung up by their hands. No respect is shown to the elders. Young men are compelled to grind at the mill, and boys stagger under loads of wood. The old men have left the city gate, the young men their music. The joy of our hearts has ceased. Our dancing has been turned to mourning. So they are ruled by slaves, which is to be publicly shamed. There is a terrible impact on the older women and the younger women, on the older men and the young men and the boys, even on the princes and the elders of the land. All ages and stages of life are impacted by the circumstances that have befallen these people. It's a shaming of their social status. The circumstances they're asking God to intervene in are circumstances of economic humiliation and social shame. We're talking about the loss of their wealth and the loss of their status. They used to have wealth and dignity, and at this point, they've been reduced to disgrace and shame. And when I read this, I think to myself, how do I preach this to Christ city? How do we talk about this? Some of you hear these circumstances, and since the pandemic, you know them all too well. You've lost your job, your business is in trouble, your finances are a mess, you've been on the emergency response benefits from the government, your social status is diminished, you've been let go, you've maybe lost your job title, whatever that might look like for you, you're acquainted with this feeling. But others of you hear these circumstances and you struggle to relate to what's going on. Because you've been promoted. Your business might be having a record year. Your social status is increasing, not decreasing, and you kind of are disconnected from the suffering of these people. But hear this. If you're crushed because of what you've lost, or you're flying high because of what you've gained, you might be building an identity on wealth and status more than who you are in Christ. And whichever side of the scale you're standing on, It's a terrifying place to be. The reality is our wealth and social status can change overnight. Who are you without them? In the same way that we need to build a strong foundation of faith in the good times so that our faith endures and is deeply grounded for when the struggles come, in that exact same way, you need to build a strong foundation for your faith so that you endure in your next great successes. You need to decide today how you're going to relate to God in the midst of distress but you also need to decide today how you're going to relate to God. Who is God going to be to you in the midst of your next great success in life? Are you losing hope because of your distress or are you losing sight of your need for God because of your success? Now, whatever you're going through right now, I don't don't know what that is. Whichever side of the scale you're on, I want you to hear this to us today. I want us to hear this today. He's not forgotten about you. We serve the God who remembers. See, the lament is an act of defiance against the lie that all who suffer have been abandoned by God. He is with us, and He is with you. I just want to say do you understand the weight of that assurance that He is God with us? This is also the way that lament leads us toward His grace. The God who remembers is an approachable God who we know has done great things and is doing great things and has promised to do great things, but he welcomes us to come to him. The God who remembers is the God who we call to mind in our troubles, and we saw this in Lamentations chapter 3, verse 21. It says, but this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. See, this is the God you can ask to intervene in your mercy, in in your misery. This is the God you can ask to intervene in your pain. This is the God who comes into the midst of our terrible circumstances and shows himself to be real. And look at what the people say in spite of all of the circumstances and because of all of the circumstances that have come upon them. Look at what they say in verse 16. The crown has fallen from our head. Woe to us, for we have sinned. Woe to us, for we have sinned. See, this is the way that you call to the God who remembers to come in and enter into all your stuff. Woe to us, for we have sinned. Christopher Wright, again to quote him, he said, this may be the shortest, simplest, and deepest moment of self-awareness in the book. This is the kind of simple humility that God honors. And it's the kind of simple humility that honors God. It's also the right response to having an encounter with the God of the Bible." makes me think about the tax collector that Jesus talked about in, in a parable. Luke 18, he said in verse 9, he also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. a sinner. Woe to us, for we have sinned. He is the God who remembers, who hears the cry of our hearts, who intervenes and acts. But he is also, secondly, the God who reigns. Verse 19. But you, O Lord, reign forever. Your throne endures to all generations. See, this is their confident cry in the midst of their pain. This is the anchor of their hope in the midst of their lament. This is their God who is worthy of their repentance. And this is how you can be certain that you serve a God who remembers. He is also the God who reigns. He's in control of the struggles. He's in control of the outcomes. And he is enthroned, <laughs> ruling and reigning over all things. This is who he is. He is the God who reigns. But you O Lord, reign forever. See, the Poet of Lamentations has just recounted this long list that we looked at at the beginning of chapter 5 in those two sections about the destruction of their wealth and the destruction of their status. They've just given us this long list of troubles, and that comes at the end of a long book of troubles, and then they say, but. But you, O Lord, reign forever. Now, I don't know who needs to hear this in particular today, but I want to say God uses pain. Your troubles do not mean that God has abandoned you. Your troubles mean that God is forming you to be the person He created you to be, to accomplish the things that He has called you to do. Two and a half years ago, I was in a motorcycle accident. And since then, I've lived basically every day in physical pain. I've seen more specialists than I knew existed, I've had three surgeries. I've had probably 250 appointments with my physiotherapist. I had to see a counselor to talk about the anxieties that I was having every time I saw someone riding a motorcycle on the road. And you know what? <coughs> I wouldn't change the last two and a half years for anything. But you, O oh Lord, reign forever. God has used every moment of pain in my life to draw me closer to him. He has used every moment of pain to focus my attention on what he's called me to do, and he's used all of this season of pain and some of the pain in the past to form me into the man that he's calling me to be. For any of you who've suffered, you already know that strange grace of seasons of pain. It doesn't mean you wish it to happen. It doesn't mean you want it to happen to yourself. It doesn't mean you wish it on anybody else. But you know that there's something special about it because God meets you in the midst of it. In the middle of the horrors of World War II, C.S. Lewis said this, God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks in our conscience, but shouts in our pain. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. And the people who are communally lamenting in chapter 5 of the book of Lamentations have heard the call. Their response in the end is to say, but you, O Lord, reign forever. See, lament is an act of defiance against the lie that all who suffer have been abandoned by God, and lament is a catalyst for hope in spite of and because of the circumstances going on around them. And lament transforms our perspective to see beyond the fog of our circumstances and to see who is really in control. We serve the God who remembers, who hears the cry of our hearts, who intervenes and acts. We serve the God who reigns, which is the knowledge that God is present in the pain and that he rules over all of it. But we also serve the God who restores. Look at verse 19. But you, O Lord, reign forever. Your throne endures to all generations. Why do you forget us forever? Why do you forsake us for so many days? Restore us to yourself, O Lord, that we may be restored. Renew our days as of old. Pastor Mark Rogop has written a wonderful book on lament. He said the longest lament in the Bible ends with a prayer for restoration. This is our chapter. Lament says, God, you are the God who remembers, who intervenes in our distress, and you, God, are the God who reigns over all things. And when that becomes the cry of our heart in the midst of our circumstances, we know that there is a work of restoration happening, that God is doing a work of restoration in our soul. Their prayer is, God, bring us back to you. Restore us to yourself. Now, that's not fully how Lamentations ends. It ends with a much more painful question. Look at verses 21 and 22 with me. Restore us to yourself, O Lord, that we may be restored. Renew our days as of old, unless you have utterly rejected us and you remain exceedingly angry with us just when you thought we were somewhere positive. We have the last verse, the last two lines, Lamentations chapter 5. See, the book ends with a question, and it's not until later that we have a satisfactory answer. This week I received one of the most encouraging emails that I've received in a long time. It was a woman from our house church who was just talking about how she's really loved the study of lamentations and how for her it's like she's been taken into the parable of the prodigal son but rather than seeing it from the perspective of the father who watches the son walk away and go and squander his inheritance and live in wild ways and then eventually come running home rather than the perspective of waiting with the father she said it was as though she was drawn into the parable of the prodigal son And she was getting a window into the story of the mess of the rebellious son's life. Lamentations is like that. It's a picture into the destruction of what rebellion looks like in God's people. Prodigal son is this story of the way that a young man asked for his inheritance from his father before his father had passed away, which was unthinkable, really. It was basically to wish his father dead. And then he ran off and he took that inheritance and squandered it in all kinds of wild living. He squandered all the money. Famine strikes the land. He's hungry. He ends up going and working as a hired hand at a pig farm. And because he's hungry, he ends up eating the pig food, which is about as low as you can get for a nice young Jewish boy. What he realizes is that he would then rather face the shame of showing up at home, all disheveled and all broken, and just be a servant in his father's house. And it says in Luke 15, verse 17, but when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger. I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. But it's in this repentant humility that the father's love is poured out. Look at what it says, verse 20. And he arose and came to his father. and is found, and they began to celebrate. Christ City. this is a picture of restoration. We serve the God who restores. Just when you think it can't get any worse, just when you think you're a destitute failure, just when you think you are beyond God's mercy, you call out to your Heavenly Father and you realize that He has been running toward you with His arms wide open, eager to embrace you, and lavish his love on you. We serve the God who restores. And the truth is, he has not utterly rejected us. He is not exceedingly angry with us. The book of Lamentations ends with a question, but God does not leave it like that forever. He gives us the definitive answer in the arrival of his son Jesus. In Christ, God remembers And he intervenes and acts on our behalf. In Christ, who through pain and crucifixion and death and resurrection, in Christ, who comes to reign as the King of kings and Lord over all, we have a God who reigns. And in Christ, we have a pathway for restoration and renewal all laid out for us. If we would just recognize the depth of our rebellion and the depth of our need, and come and encounter the God who restores. Romans chapter 5, verse 6 says, For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Christ said, this is the good news of the gospel. And lament can bring us before God, the God who remembers, the God who we know reigns, and the God who we know restores. As we prepare to respond, I know that some of you are gathering with your house church online right now. It's maybe Sunday morning and you're gathered together. I know other house churches are meeting midweek, and so this might be a preparatory thing for your house church. But I want to lead us into the celebration of communion you can utilize the liturgy that we provided and as a group, you can pray through that liturgy and you can celebrate the goodness of God to us in Christ in the celebration of communion today. We want everybody to have an opportunity to be able to celebrate communion, not alone, but with others. So whether this is in advance of something in midweek or you're doing this right now, let's celebrate communion. Communion is a picture of what Christ has accomplished for us in his life and in his death and in his resurrection. We take the bread that points us to the body of Christ that was broken as he died in our place, atoning for our sin. And we take the wine that points us to the fact that his blood was shed as, again, he died in our place and for our sin. And we celebrate with the bread and the wine as a picture of what Jesus has accomplished on our behalf. So I want to invite you into that. If you're a follower of Jesus, get together with your house church and celebrate communion. If you're not yet in a house church, again, we'll help you get plugged into one. If you're not yet a follower of Jesus, I would beg you to come to the God who remembers and reigns and restores. Contact us. Let us know how we can serve you. We would love to be able to celebrate communion with you for the first time. Let me pray.